0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from what I watched tonight, and joining me as ever, he is the statesman to my kingsman. It's been a long time since we've said that, and somebody Mm -hmm. I'll always say yep to. You get it? It's John Burke (laughs) from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir?
1: I am doing very well, Matt. Excited to finally get to this movie, but I'll let you say what that is when we get there. But um, we it's been an extra little bit of time since we last recorded because you mm-hmm. were on vacation uh that's probably going to be talked about later as well so i don't i don't know what to do uh i hope you're having a good day
0: yeah, my day has been fine i'm still on um leave from work i have the rest of this week off Ooh. as leave i've got uh, my little one with me for the rest of the week so that's going to be quite nice i've got a can of pomegranate and lime zero percent sugar interestingly 100 percent adventure apparently to see me through tonight's show but, but the last time we spoke it was the literal literally the eve of your of your birth dates. how was the uh, celebrations yes. my friend
1: uh very quiet we kept it pretty simple um we did end up uh trying to think of what we did actually on my birthday um went to like two different like lunch dinner type things uh <laughs> and, and saw some friends uh, like one on saturday we did something for dinner and then sunday uh we went to a um mexican restaurant that i like a lot yeah. and they made me wear a sombrero and saying you say happy made. Birthday. i said they made you wear oh they did sir um i was very embarrassed i so there's a story of when i was very young um that uh i think i was like eight it was a birthday party for me And they started singing a happy birthday, and I was so embarrassed by being, like, the center of all of these people singing. I started shouting to stop singing because I didn't (laughs) like it. Um, And I still kind of feel that way. Anytime I'm, like, the attention is on me and I I didn't expect it. Like, even though I guess on your birthday you should expect it. But, like, when they came out singing – and I've been to that restaurant. I've witnessed other people go through it. Um, Bah, yeah. I was not ready for it. And I I had never looked because I always I, out of respect. I don't look to the table where they're singing happy birthday. I just yes. like you know. I I understand it's probably a little embarrassing. Some people obviously like it. Some people don't. I am one who I definitely don't. Um, and like Sorry. they they showed up with the sombrero and I was very very shocked. Also always a little nerd. Being bald headed, uh, sometimes you're not sure if my head is sweaty or not. Like I don't have hair to catch that. So I'm also like, you sure you want to put this hat on me? Like I you know I don't know what's going on here. Um, but they put the hat on, they sang happy birthday. I, I stared into nothing cause I could not make eye contact with the people who were singing to me or <laughs> the people in the restaurant. Um, yeah. so I just kind of zoned out and let it happen. But inside I was screaming, please stop singing. Um, and yet I, am definitely grateful, uh, for the experience cause it, you know, it's nice being with friends and, and like them acknowledging that I was born. Um, so
0: <laughs> thank God you were
1: yeah but you know that that was that was the the trip it was fine um the food was great i ate way too much uh i did allow myself to indulge a little bit because it was my birthday um but yeah that that was uh that was what happened for the celebration we got good food and and good uh friends and family
0: good that's what we like to hear and uh my laughs there were more because i could i don't know why but whenever you've mentioned young john book uh, or in this instance, young enough to have "Happy Birthday" sung to you at a party. I've I envisaged you how you look now, but actually, oh. sort of like a lot shorter, like two foot tall or three foot tall, and I can't get my head around that. So your your pain isn't a source of humour for me. It's more for some reason I just shrink you whenever I think of young
1: John. Yeah, I I actually get that. Um, for a long time, uh, this is a British connection, but when I was a kid, the only images I would seen of Princess Di and. Um, prince charles was a caricature you know where they do the heads really big and like silly so for a long time i was convinced that the royal family was just giant headed people uh (laughs) because i didn't know it was a caricature fair but you know character size so like for a long time anytime anyone would talk about the royal family my brain would like picture this caricature version of it and i'm like
0: i don't understand how this is possible no, you look but, i can imagine the uh this obviously sad news of princess diana's passing must have come as a shock to you when they showed you know her actual face in the in memoriam section it wasn't how you'd seen previously
1: yeah exactly um but i so i get that it's you've only really known me as bald-headed goatee guy but i promise as a kid i had hair and no goatee so well i, I quite like uh
0: no head full bearded John Burke. I can't my beard is coming on but it's nowhere near John burke John Burke's kind of level of beard. But um let's us talk about beards, sombreros and anxious happy birthday um singing. Let's talk about tonight's film. If you're new to this podcast, if you are, thank you and hope you enjoy, we give a non-spoiler review of the biggest release of the week or the most interesting whatever uh, is applicable here. And then in a few days' time, we're going to drop a spoiler review of said film. And said film this week, John Burke, is one you've seen multiple times, one you've been uh, very much looking forward to talking about. And it is Nope. The new film from Jordan Peele, the third film from Jordan Peele, Nope. He uh, wrote and directed this film. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, the always excellent Academy Award winning British Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perea. Uh, Michael Wincott and Stephen Young, another excellent actor. Now, we don't give spoilers, but we will give the synopsis. And this one's, you know, this one is the least spoilery synopsis I think you could probably get. Um, The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. That could be anything. Uh, And I also. A shout out for use of the word gulch as well. It's not one I hear very often. Now, Jordan Peele, his first two efforts, Get Out and Us, were both uh, very well received critically, and I do believe for the most part with the audiences as well. And nope. See, nope. 82% Rotten Tomatoes critic score, 68% from the audience. So we're looking at a lower audience score here. Uh, Metascore has it a 77. It's got a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, the user score. Letterboxd is a 4.0 out of 5. And CinemaScore, uh, that came home with a B, a, score, a rating of B. It was released. Uh, it's been out now in the States for a couple of weeks. It was released in the United Kingdom and most other territories uh, last weekend. And it's only available in theatres currently. So um, before I talk about the film, John, how many times have you seen this now? Three times in the theater. Three times because you, you saw a uh, a press screening with yep. um your association. Very cool association over there. And you've since been to see it twice. Yep.
1: Yep. Both in my, my local theater. So I've seen it in um, the f- first time the press screening was, a, if I remember correctly, was open um, to some public. So we had some other mm. people, not just press. So we had a pretty decent sized crowd. Uh, the second screening was like the opening weekend, and it was a pretty decent-sized crowd. When I saw it this past Sunday, because yep. uh, I wanted a refresher because it's been a couple weeks since I saw it, um, <laughs> I was alone. Now, I did go... Just you. Just me. I went on a Sunday afternoon at 12.15, but I was completely alone. Uh, and that that is... This is not the type of movie you generally want to be in a big, spacious area by yourself because it's a little freaky. Um, so I was very aware that i was alone and it's just like uh you know i know this is a movie but atmospherically i don't like being alone during this movie but um yeah so three times uh i think that's the first for a recording on the podcast like i don't think i i've seen movies twice before we recorded uh several times this year in fact i've i've managed to pull that everything off because of the William. press screening but um i don't think i've seen a movie three times before we recorded maybe everything everywhere all at once i saw four times maybe Uh, Before we recorded because you had to wait a month and a half or something before it was available. So that one probably uh, beats Nope. But I've seen uh, Everything Everywhere All At Once in the theater four times. Nope, three times uh, in the theater, um, which is unusual. I don't usually see movies that many times, uh, like, at all, honestly, anymore. Because I'm always trying to watch other stuff. And so um, I uh, I do think that the multiple viewings will aid uh and a little bit of negativity when we get to the spoiler talk
0: that is very interesting you say that and it's probably and i imagine you seeing it three times is probably fairly indicative of your thoughts about the film um now get out i really like get out us i thought was great i think i actually prefer us but it's only uh-huh. like a, a paper width difference you know it's not like it i think it's superior it's just one I put on if I had the choice. Uh, but even then, the ending of Us—I've mentioned many times on this show—have a few issues with the ending of that film. But mm. that aside, uh, I really, really enjoy Jordan Peele's films. Uh, I think he's got a really great sensibility as a director, kind of from where he came from as a comedian and a comedic writer to making the making the switch, similar to a uh, William Peter Blatty back when he wrote a film uh, book, sorry, called The Exorcist way back when, though no, I'm not comparing the two before anyone comes at me. Uh, nope. I was very much looking forward to Nope because, you know, Jordan Peele was two for two for me. The trailers for this film, the trailers I thought looked okay. I didn't, the trailers didn't, didn't really blow me away for this film, but seeing that uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya was back in the leading role, that was always going to get me excited for this film. So I sat down to watch it on the Saturday, just gone. I was meant to see it on the Friday, but by the time we got back and by the time we all settled down, it's far too late to go and see it. I'd missed my screening. Thankfully, it was free. So I went to see it on a Saturday, full of hope, full of optimism, knowing that JB had seen it at least twice and the third one was on the horizon. And oh, I'm very sad to say, John, this didn't do it for me. Nope. Um, well. And as, as somebody, who, you know me, I'm, I'm a horror guy, but I want to say for those listening, first and foremost, it's important to note that nope is primarily a science fiction movie with kind of horror trappings. There's still plenty of horror here. It's not like it's a straight up sci-fi movie. You've probably all heard of the Spielbergian um, nods, which are, which are there, not just Spielberg either, but, um, and there's plenty of horror there for the genre fans. But I found that it took a backseat as did some of the social commentary and the kind of racial commentary that Peel was so good at telling. It is still there. Don't get me wrong. It's still there thematically it's right there but it's not quite in the forefront this time but the reason i couldn't get into nope was i thought the first half had a really good sense of mystery genuinely thought this was a really really solid build up to hopefully something great and then we got the twist and then that was when i kind of threw me off a bit but before even before that and i think Uh, I believe that other people have it's not just me who said this other people have said this and maybe this is what you were alluding to John but I just found that not an awful lot of it seemed to connect up very well there was a few times during the film where I thought what what you know what was the point of that or what I understand what you're doing here like I, I like certain scenes in this film I you know I get how they link in to the wider narrative but at the same time they felt slightly disposable or just a bit disjointed that the films for me the best scene in the film is a scene which involves uh, a sitcom gone wrong we'll call it that for now superb excellently executed scene atmospheric horror the imagery is terrifying but it it just felt i don't know it just kind of felt like it didn't need to be there as did Stephen yun's story almost the end story I get what they were going for with the story. You know, Stephen Yen—he was a again, no spoilers—but he's a child, sort of ex-child star, like TV star, who is profiting off of something which probably should know better than to do so. In a you know very basic nutshell, but I just didn't think it really kind of connected very well, and I felt that the film offered a lot but didn't answer a lot either. And I'm also extremely aware, hypersensitive that films and stories and books and that, they don't have to answer every question. They can raise points and leave them open. But I feel I, at times I felt like Nope didn't necessarily have the answer to the questions, and and Jordan Peele was serving up these platters without you know almost maybe maybe knowing what he want where he wanted this to go. But um, yeah, so the 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 lack of a rhythm narratively that did hamper my enjoyment and this is awful for me to say but i found myself getting quite bored and i and i hate myself having to say that but coming into the final third i i just wasn't connecting with the characters with the wow. situations um or what again without any spoilers you know what was really going on in the skies above i it it went over me it lost me at that point so whilst i enjoyed a lot of the visuals of this film and originally this is a beautiful film hoit van Hoytemer is a dop excellent excellent dop the score is very good in this film as well but i couldn't get into the characters i liked daniel kaluuya in this i thought he had a real good intensity to him but you know it's a restrained intensity thought he was good uh perry uh, brandon perry i thought he was very decent as well kiki palmer no i uh, kiki palmer i i know she was kind of the yin to the yang of kaluya's character but her character didn't entirely work for me uh, during this film i thought her kind like, of kind of madcap energy it became tiring at points during this film um that's not to say that there are good moments John, because there are i mentioned the sit go- sitcom scene gone wrong uh, that was very good i think i actually think the the s- n- Stephen yun's jerky yeah, he's called yeah a character's called you- jupe i actually think his story is actually more interesting as for me it's the least developed but i think that's the most interesting story about the child star who you know tries to profit and this says and that and the other i think that's actually much more interesting story and i'd have loved to have seen more of that uh the mystery is is great in the first half i really like that and i don't think nope is a bad film by any means i don't think jordan peele suddenly lost the knack of directing i just felt for me there was a disjointedness to it it totally didn't often feel right and it, uh, yeah, i did, i wasn't taken by the atmosphere jb i wasn't taken by the the horror or you know I, I i wasn't engaged by the end and that was the saddest part for me when i sat there in a theater and thought i don't think i like this film and that and i thought no no i'm gonna if we've got 20 minutes half an hour left we can still save this and you know the ending you know I'm, i didn't dislike the film but maybe I went in with hopes too high, because it's a Jordan Peele film that I expected something different. I didn't expect a full-on horror. I knew we were getting sci-fi, but you know, again, I don't think this is a bad film. I'm still, I still can't wait for Jordan Peele's next film. But nope, in for much as much as I can say in the non-spoiler portion of this review, anyway, JP, it just didn't grab me, John. And now I can't, i can't wait to hear, you know, your counterpoints. And what yep. what made you want to see it three times? I don't think you're wrong, because maybe a second viewing will aid me. But on first viewing, that's how I felt. And I usually try to take first viewing as the uh, be all and end all. But as I've said, with films like Ex Machina, Annihilation, hopefully Arrival coming soon, I'll, you know on second watch, I'll, I'll get it more. I'll, I'll, it'll, I'll absorb more from it. But um, John, you've seen it three times. You're obviously a big fan of this film. Now, what drove you um, to see it that many times?
1: Well the the third time it was definitely uh it was heavily motivated by the podcast I wanted to make sure I it was all fresh in my mind mm-hmm. um but that said after seeing it the second time I was excited to see it a third time like even before I knew we were going to have to wait to uh to record cuz we found out kind of last minute that it got moved uh away from the, yes. the same week um but I the the thing that shocks me about your review is um a lot of people I had heard were bored in the first part of the film. And then once things kicked in to like the ranch and the modern day and the Kiki Palmer and, and the Daniel Kalua characters getting to finally be the center of the story and it becomes more almost of an adventure film at that point. Um, that's when they got hooked and that's what brought them in. And it sounds for you that you were already checked out by the time it got to that point. And yeah. so that's a, little surprising to hear um because i I have not heard that specific complaint um i've read a lot of articles too kind of helping me work through like what he's saying because peel has proven to be very allegorical um i think get out was straightforward in in a lot of ways like i love that movie i think it's it's very accessible though there's no question what he's putting out there in that movie us I think he goes a little more into the allegory and you have to read in between the lines a little bit more. Um, And there is subtext. Uh, This film, I think um, it's not even... I think we went in expecting a social justice kind of commentary and I don't think that's what he's going for. I think it's more about society in general and how we interact with media and trauma. Um, And I'm not... There's literally tons of articles talking about the themes and our addiction to... Um, media and how we use media to deal with uh, nature and things of that nature, that yeah, yeah. element um, that anyone can go and read at this point. And I do recommend if you've seen the movie and you're feeling lost, uh, it's understandable. I, I think this one is you have to dig a little deeper, and it may not be. It's something that I obviously we we tackle media every week, but I I actively had not thought about that connection. And it's not an area that I've dwelled on in my processing of of media. So it wasn't something that clicked right away for me thematically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where some of those other themes are things I've already thought about, you know, things that I ruminate on or I've seen other movies kind of tackling the same subject matter. What the initial viewing of this film did for me was the spectacle um the look like you said the cinematography is fantastic uh, i love the setting i love i love the characters I, I thought both uh kalula and palmer were fantastic in their performances i actually like all the characters though. jupe um the, the only characters that really don't get to do much is jupe's wife uh whose name i i didn't even include in the list just because she doesn't really have a, she's just kind of in a scene or two um there's a few other players that are in the movie and they maybe ha- they they add into the overall telling but ultimately it's Jupe the the brother and sister combo um, angel I don't think his name's angel but she calls him Angel at one point uh, yeah. from from Fry's, uh, which is a real store in California and that one with the UFO in it is actually like the real building so like Peel brought that in as like a, a nod which he does a lot in his movies is nod to other things in pop culture yeah. and then uh, our cinematographer with the best voice ever like the oh, the dude, yeah the gravitas of that man's voice um and then a few other people come and go that are are disposable essentially as far as the plot and the story but that's really our core group and i i had something for all of them i thought they were all really interesting um you mentioned Spielberg. I, it's one of those things. I don't know if it would be a spoiler to give direct reference of what uh, about Spielberg's career that is in this movie that I really connected with for a lot of obvious reasons. If you know me, I'll say for the spoiler episode so that I don't, uh, okay. potentially give away what could happen. But, um, as a film person, I loved a lot of that. I, I, I watched Tarantino and I watched Edgar Wright and I watched peel more with Peele and right. Um, for the references because Tarantino's uh, references are often things I've never seen. Um, he's hitting obscure movies that I've, I don't even know exist in his references where Edgar Wright, who also has the same kind of taste that Tarantino has, his references are often more um, familiar to me. At least I have found over, over the other movies. Like I know a lot of the Scott Pilgrim references for sure. And I know a lot of the baby driver stuff. Um, not as much with last night in Soho because I, I haven't watched the Giallo films very much, but you know I, I at least know where he's coming from. Generic, g- generically, Peel's references seem to be more in my wheelhouse. A lot of the movies he's referencing I've seen, and so yeah. I get really into that part of his filmmaking—that postmodern um, kind of you know referential f- style that those three directors I think are all really uh, known for. And I know Peel's only three movies in, but all three of those guys really are fans of cinema and it's embedded in what they're doing. They're they're referencing these things. Uh, we saw that with Ty West and X earlier this year. He's If you've seen Texas Chainsaw, yes. if you've seen those 70s grindhouse gritty horror films, you're going to get what he's going for in a way that someone who hasn't isn't going to have that same connection. Um, and for me, that was a big part of Nope, was this felt like a throwback in many ways, but a modern version of those films. And you see what Peel's doing. I thought there was a lot of innovation but for me, it is the characters. I, I think Kalua is such a, a powerful actor that a slight movement with an eyeball can convey so much emphasis. Spoken. And uh, I, I just get enraptured with what he's doing. Um the movie's called Nope, and multiple times in this film does a character utter the phrase. I mean, in the first few seconds, in fact, of the film, you hear someone say it in a much more casual way. But then it's used uh, in different ways throughout the film, and every time it got a chuckle out of me. Um, I do have some issues at having multiple viewings. That I think, in, uh, I think you could also make the same argument with us. Is I think Peel is more concerned with theme and uh the allegory of the stories that he's telling that he's willing to let details um not really have any meaning like they're there but if you that. scrutinize them you'll find that they don't hold up and, agree with that. and this there's some stuff in this movie where i'm like i don't i don't know why that detail was included when you clearly don't adhere to that detail as the film goes on that I will bring up in spoilers. But um, that's where my third viewing, it started to, I'm like, I I'm all for a movie, not like horror movies. A lot of times, if you scrutinize them, they don't hold up against their own rules because they're, they're not really concerned with that as a, as a story. They're more about the mood and the atmosphere, which is great for the first and second viewing, because that's all I'm really, I'm just absorbing the mood and atmosphere. On my third viewing, I've I've already had the mood and atmosphere to the point where I, I get it. So now I'm like starting to look at all the details. I'm like, oh, that doesn't that doesn't stick and that doesn't hold up. So it does feel a little less than after the third viewing. But I still really like this movie. I think it is, um, it's a, a true summer blockbuster. It's a spectacle, and if that's what he was going for. And I think he succeeded uh, hands down. Which is sad because y- you you don't like, and that's the thing. Um, that's I think more of a, of a condemnation than me saying some of the plot details don't work. Is that the thing that this film's trying to do is make you have a good time at the movies. And for some reason it didn't click for you. And I'm sad about that. Cause I, the people that I saw with, um, big tuna who we reference all the time on the show. Um, he told me when we got out of it that, uh, cause we were at different screenings actually, um, that the first 45 minutes, he wasn't vibing with it. And then he loved it. Um, that's really and, interesting. Yeah, and I'd heard that from other people. Um a, a couple of other friends of the show, they were like lukewarm um up until they, they show until see Stephen Young's character who gives the backstory about the sitcom thing and that sequence wins a lot of people over and then it just kind of goes from there. It snowballs. Um but yeah uh i'm 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 wondering why what what maybe like you said maybe it's the hype going in you had two weeks of of other people saying how good it was and all that and also the jordan peele of it all um maybe it just it made the expectations too uh too high
0: maybe and i mean i mean that scene you mentioned with um droop with ricky's character um you know the standout scene you know that's that that should have been the kind of catalyst but i just find that it remained a mystery in terms of its relevance to the rest of the plot, considering where it went, where, where it all ended up with that. I kind of, I wish we'd seen more of that.
1: That, that is, I think a fair point. I think it thematically ties in completely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, And again, I think that is what Peel's concern was. And I also do think that that has, um, has some problems. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, um, it, it, it makes sense because I, I also I, I do see that point, um, but I think thematically it, it helps to get the point that he's trying to make. Again, having read a lot of articles and other people who are better suited to explain those themes than maybe I am. Um, it did help me appreciate those connections a little more.
0: No, no, I, I totally appreciate that, my friend. And um, the first time Daniel Kaluuya's character who uh, let's let, let's also mention Jordan Peele does, call, he is called OJ in the film. So that's a cheeky wink and a nod from Jordan Peele right there. But the first, I think it's one of the first times, if not the first time, he utters the words, nope. I had a good laugh at that because in the scene in question, it's every time that kind of scene happens in a horror film or an atmospheric film this is what you want your characters to say and and you want them to just get the heck out of there that's what you want them to do so i I laughed at that moment because it felt a little bit like jordan peele poking poking f- harmless fun at the horror genre and the tropes um around it but like i say this this didn't work for me yet i'm gonna say yet because it's i, I like jordan peele i like horror i like sci-fi and i like the um films that this one clearly pays homage to so this it would be wrong for me to say I'm never going to watch this again because I will do I probably watch it when it comes out on physical or streaming with what I know in my head already and go into it and see if it lands and I'm always going to be honest enough if it does I'll say yeah actually do you know what I think I may have missed a boat first time round or it, it won't and I'll read and I'll be validated in my own opinion but um on the Bamp here we don't always agree but when we don't agree do you know what we do John we we kind of like digitally shake hands yes and that's and that's how we call it a day right there and then until the spoiler episode which will be dropping in a few days but um did you have anything else you wanted to say about nope non-spoiler this week nope ah well done i see what you did there john yeah Uh, well let's move on then to the next segment of the bloody awesome movie podcast which we call chuffed headlines john and myself we take a movie or pop culture headline uh, from the week just gone that's caught our attention and we bring it to each other and to you guys as well so john what have you chosen this week
1: so my headline uh was actually sent to me by some friends um that uh the headline is if you're from poor or middle-class families hollywood is nearly impossible to navigate and it's uh from an it's a no film school article i don't know if you've uh, ever dabbled in no film school but oh, as I a film yep. teacher I'm there a lot. Uh, it's it's they provide a lot of great content. It's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, they don't always, I don't always read articles like this from there. I'm usually more about their filmmaking style or like their analysis of a film or a scene or something like that. This one is interesting because it is uh, written by Alyssa Miller and it's mostly um, talking about the star from Euphoria, um, Sydney Sweeney and her yes. career. Um, and it does juxtapose it to some nepotism with uh, Ethan Hawke uh, and Uma Thurman's daughter. Um, Maya, Maya, who's most famous for her role on Stranger Things season three and four, and then uh, Maud Apatow, who I've kind of followed her career on accident because she's in a lot of early Adam Sandler uh, Leslie Mann vehicles, mm-hmm. like yep. she's in um, uh, This Is Forty, and she's in um, Funny People, and I, I like both of those movies, so I've kind of watched Maud's development. I have not seen Euphoria uh, for her or for Sydney Sweeney, um, but uh, they they obviously come from hollywood families you have leslie mann is married to judd apatow both uh successful in what their respective roles are ethan hawk uma thurman both very very well-regarded actors um and this article is just kind of addressing uh the complexity that sydney is taking every job she can get she's doing uh, modeling she's doing spokesperson stuff she's taking every movie role tv role because she's trying to be able to afford the life of a celebrity right? That there's like, you're living in LA. Uh, you have all these people you're paying like percentages to, to make sure that you have this and you have that. And she comes from a, a lower middle-class family, no criticism to her family or anything like that saying that as a, you know, teacher, which is lower middle-class easily, if that. Um, and, uh, the difference of her career and her, her career choices where she feels like, an obligation and maybe even a fear that if you don't take a job, maybe another one won't come. Like you'll yeah. get a, uh, this stigma of being hard to please or hard to work with. And then all of a sudden the job stop and the money dries up and you can't afford to pay for any of the things that you are currently utilizing. Um, and the article even points out like this, it'd be easy to kind of, you know, her up. Like you're living in a $6 million home. How dare you complain kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but, if she stops working, that home will go away quickly because she doesn't have money to fall back on, where arguments being made that Maya and uh, and Maud could choose not to work or they could not have to do spokesmodel stuff because their family has money to support this endeavor. And the, okay. the articles ultimately discussing um, has Hollywood become a place where you can't really achieve the american dream that we all you know this idea that you can become rich and famous and then live on your laurels that you could rest on your laurels for the rest of your life and it's it's more like if you don't come from money you will always be working just like lower middle class people right like we have 401ks but realistically if you retire with your 401k -hmm. as it was given you probably aren't making enough money to survive without taking another job or some other source of income um and it looks like even the people that we often look to and go, oh, I wish I could be rich and famous like you, unless they were already from a rich and famous family, they also will probably have to work nonstop for the rest of their lives in order to afford that way of living. So it's kind of an eye-opening article. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts, Matt?
0: Uh, I think that sounds like a really interesting article to read because whilst you were saying that, I was kind of weighing up in my mind about that that process that sydney sweeney is talking about and i think you're right it's not just a pressure for herself to work to make the money for herself um to to stay with the lifestyle that she has earned let's not say it wasn't given to her she's earned that lifestyle so i have no issue with like with, you know, as the article says she may be in a six million dollar home you know, good for her. She has worked hard to earn that. It hasn't been given to her through nepotism or other means. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But like you say, there's there are people on her payroll. Her, you know, people who she'll give a percentage to. That their job relies on her job is or her working at the same time. So there's that kind of stress as well that's put on somebody's shoulders. That you know, she's probably you know, if she doesn't work. She then knows that they the, 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 these people who who she's paying can't you know sustain their lifestyle and it dribbles downwards so um it sounds like a very interesting read and it's 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 something that's plagued and i don't mean to use that word in such a negative term but you know plagued celebrities in in all walks of life not just movies but sports in music as well the idea of nepotism and it's not what you know, it's who you know. I think there's always there's always been an element of that. I think you know everyone would be naive not to think that. But in that the, hearing this story now, really, really doesn't surprise me. And I saw something on social media that the other day. I can't lie; I, I didn't f- actually watch the whole thing. I just saw a little bit on Instagram. But it was Ryan Gosling saying, basically talking about how you know mad and how bonkers Hollywood uh, is. You know, people come ugh. to LA, come to Hollywood with nothing they leave their friends their families their loved ones their jobs their lives in the hope of achieving something which they you know realistically have not percent chance of really getting you know being like you said having the American dream but people will do it what a day every day people will move yeah. to that area of the, that neck of the woods to achieve this and it's fine if you have the backing and if you do you know more power too that's great news if you've got that to fall back on that there's less stress for you to pressure for you to do it financially if there isn't though yeah i think this story is a very very uh worthwhile read by the sounds of it because it's easy to look at someone like sydney sweeney and think you know you're you're doing just fine you know you'll get jobs you'll you'll find work easily you're, you're going to be in the new marvel film or something soon or dc sorry um you'll you'll be fine but realistically it's it's not quite like that and you know, maybe maybe Maya Hawk, maybe Ethan and Uma, as if I know them. Maybe they've said, "Look, you know, you're on your own here. If you if if you don't succeed, you know, that's on you." But at the same time, I can't imagine they're not going to say, "Here's a few pa- here's a few bucks to see yourself through." But I think it's a really interesting read, and I think it's uh, I, I <laughs> just a headline alone, I'm probably going to agree with without even having fully read the article that. I, th- I think nowadays more and more, with this cutthroat industry becoming uh, smaller and smaller, even though the industry is getting bigger and bigger, the opportunities yeah. are getting short. I do think it's a case of who you I are, mean, who you know, or where you come from.
1: There's even the idea a lot of times you can't get work if you don't have an agent, or if you don't have this like if it's the Screen Actors Guild only, if it's a union-based project, yeah, yeah. and you can't afford those dues, or you can't afford to pay the agent. Like right away, like you could be the most talented actor in the world, but you don't have the opportunities simply because you can't afford the things that they are required to afford, and that you know. um, Obviously, you can make a counter argument that in today's culture, we it's so easy to make a video, make a movie that, and post it so that people can see you. That there is potential to be found uh, through that type of process, but. If you don't have money, because at the end of the day, you still have to pay those dues. You still have to do those things. Um, you want a good agent who can negotiate so that you actually get the money you deserve. Because there's definitely tons of stories, even going back to the 90s, um, where people don't get a good deal for their their work. And so they are underpaid and they're always struggling. And once you are underpaid, it does become harder to get a good paycheck, right? Like once you yeah. take that lower money, they're always going to try to offer you less money because like, oh, we know you did this for less. Um, And so, yeah, if you don't start strong, it is hard to finish strong. And uh, as a a person who teaches film, I I always want to encourage my students, if it is something that you are passionate about and this is what you think you want to do, I want to encourage that. But it's also a scary thing to encourage, um, knowing how hard it is in this industry and how many people like like Gosling brought up are giving up everything, moving to a very expensive city uh, and hoping that they'll get a break and logistically only a few do um we you know we've watched a lot of people come and go even in this industry so yeah and
0: and it's not even um your point is extremely valid that you know anybody can make a film or upload it somewhere now online and Mm -hmm. hope to get noticed but now that we know that you can do that and you know the soda bergs of the world and other people have thrown that on a, you know, slightly bigger budget scale than someone like me or my phone. But because we know we can do that, you know, then more and more people will start doing that, which, you know, makes the net even smaller from that aspect as well. Because if everyone mm-hmm. starts doing it, your chances of getting noticed are even smaller. Even if your what your work is incredible. And it kind of it, it, it saddens me somewhat to think that, you know, the next great uh spielberg the next hitchcock or the next you know insert great actor here will never be found or discovered because of you know like yeah who they are where they're from how much they're worth or whatever i i I think the system is flawed somewhat there but uh, that could be aimed at many systems but i i would love to see a kind of overhaul one day but i I don't think that's ever going to happen jb i can imagine it only getting worse from here on
1: Eh, I, I don't know if we'll see the overhaul or not. Um, I do think it's possible that we will see a change, but maybe it won't be a change into the existing system, but like a uh, a new system rising to power as the other one. I mean, there's a lot of criticism being levied at Hollywood movies and how Hollywood movies are being made and distributed. Yep. Um I mean the the discovery Warner Brothers that we talked about last time I think is a good example of them being out of touch. So maybe it's not the system that will change as much as it will be the system will destroy itself and then something else will fill the void. Who knows? Um, I don't know that I want either of those things to happen. I would prefer it to fix itself and we we diversify uh, the types of movies that they make and what types of movies get publicity and that every movie doesn't have to be a hundred million dollar blockbuster that we can give these smaller movies the opportunity to breathe um but who knows you know a lot of people are saying things like that so maybe someone will finally listen
0: sounds like john is saying we need a revolution come on uh, that's what i took from it anyway but
1: uh, no yeah. I, I agree my friend
0: maybe, maybe it will just start to crumble from within and new answers are required um hopefully from the right voices but, uh, that's a very interesting article it will be linked i think in the description is that correct yep. yep correct so check it out from there uh my article has come from Uh, This particular one's gone from Entertainment Weekly, but it's been doing the rounds in the last few days. This one's written by Joey Nolfi. And the headline reads, The Academy apologises to Sachin Littlefeather for the abuse she endured after her 1973 Oscars speech. Now, in the wake of the aftermath of the Will Smith-Chris Rock slapping incident at the most recent Academy Awards, the um, story of Sachin Little Feather came to prominence, and for those who don't know, in a nutshell, Marlon Brando he won the Best Actor Oscar for The Godfather I- at the 1973 awards. He he declined it, he turned it down, and he sent Sachin Little Feather in his place. She was a kind of mid twenties, um, a uh, she was in a mid twenties sorry at the time, so bear that in mind when we're going we're talking about what we're going to, but. Um, He sent uh, Sachin to the Oscars to protest the film industry's treatment of Native American people. And at the time, she went up on stage, she was talking about this, she was booed, she was heckled. And uh, infamously, John Wayne had to be held back, the draft dodger had to be held back by six security men because he wanted to, quote, forcibly remove her from the stage because of what she was saying basically she was basically saying oh the treatment of native american people is wrong john wayne i don't know why seemed to take uh umbridge with Mm -hmm. that but um so the academy however many years we are now nearly 50 60 years later uh 50 odd years later sorry have finally issued an apology to sachin and um in the in in the letter they sent, it said the emotional burden you have lived through and the cost of your own career in our industry are irreparable, and that the the speech she gave was a powerful statement that continues to remind us of the necessity of respect and the importance of human dignity. Yeah, you are forever ingrained in our history, re- respectfully. That the the letter in itself is much longer than that. I've kind of cherry picked uh, little moments from that um sachin for her credit as well with with more than a touch of humor said you know it's fine it's only been 50 years we indians are very patient people she said i use that uh, those words verbatim so you know she said okay fine i, I accept it i accept your apology and the uh, academy have now announced that there's going to be an event, an event called an evening with sachin little feather which is going to be a very special program of conversation reflection healing and celebration at the Academy Museum on September the 17th. So 50 years later, they have extended knowledge branch to Sachin Littlefeather, who, you know, for the last 50 years has had this um, hanging over her and had this um, brought up more recently because of what happened at the last Oscars. Um, so you're hearing this now, JB, that 50 years later, they, they've they held out an knowledge branch. They said, look, you know, okay, now, now we, only now do we realize how bad this was now that people know about it. Uh, so here's an apology. We really like you. We respect you. Here's an event in your honour. And they don't mention John uh, John Wayne whatsoever. But I think, you know, hey, look, let I don't want to say let bygones be bygones because that, that would be brushing this stupid, awful event, sorry, under the table. But I'm glad that the Academy have reached out and have taken it on mm. the chin and realised that this was wrong. This happened under their roof, literally. And it's it's not a good look then. It's not a good look now. And they needed they needed to put the uh, a cold towel over the flames. Uh, and then again, John Wayne, his um, behaviour isn't mentioned whatsoever, really. But so I'm glad that they've realised that this was something they needed to speak up about this and give an apology and give respect where respect is due. Fifty years later, though, John, what are you thinking about this headline that we finally got? You know, a peace deal thrown Satchin's way.
1: No, I mean, um, it is. It's a shame that it took that long, but it's. You know, I am glad to see the academy making an effort to uh, to rectify the mistakes. Um, even if it did take fifty years, um, I think her reaction is speaks volumes too. Like her reaction to the letter. Um, and uh, we are seeing um a lot of, of of good representation now for Native Americans, Something that we did not see uh for for a long time not only were they often not cast in roles for Mm -hmm. native americans in movies they it was often um if you had darker skin you could be cast as an indian sometimes it was white people put in brown face i believe uh i think it's searchers that that happens where like the the major is not yeah which is john wayne uh and so you know go figure that he was upset about the the accusations being levied as he was uh, easily a perpetrator of all of that um but uh we've seen like recently as uh, it's oddly um a lot of canadian content has been because there, I, I growing up in the u.s. um was not aware of the mistreatment of native americans in other countries i knew in our country we had mistreated native americans and then i i've only recently become aware of that it was also a really bad situation in canada um recently the the catholic church apologized to the treatment of the canadian native americans um but uh you know there's um taika watiti's show uh reservation dogs which obviously a play on reservoir dogs um i've heard really great things about uh uh letter kenny and um the spinoff series uh i'm gonna forget the name of it but um they have they also represent the uh, the the native cultures um you know you actually casting people and stuff and uh most recently Hulu's prey which we oh, d- talked about doing um actually being set with a uh set with a comanche tribe i don't know if any like i don't know if the casting played into like were you actually an ancestor of that tribe or um if that's just like there but still they're native american actors in the movie instead of you know people pretending to be Native American. So it's we're seeing more representation finally happening. So the Academy, maybe that's the motivation to to do this now is that we are we are clearly attempting to rectify that mistreatment um collectively as a as a culture. And so now um now's the time to apologize. But uh, again I, I don't like saying better late than never here either, but it is it's nice to I think the overall lesson that we want society to remember is that we will make mistakes and the whole point is that we should be able to come back from them in many cases. There's definitely some situations where you can't, but no matter how long they waited, how you know, we might say they should have apologized immediately. I want to say that I'm glad to see the Oscars trying to get better, you know, and so yep. in this scenario I'm glad that it's it's happening.
0: No, I agree, my friend. It's, it's easy to say, oh, well, it's a different time back then, you know, b- different attitudes and behaviours. Whatever that, whatever be the case, I'm glad the Academy are, to, to echo your thoughts, I'm glad the Academy are r- r- realising this now that it doesn't matter when it was, whether it's different attitudes or not, it was wrong. And that they are apologising and giving um, Sachin uh, a platform now to um to come out to speak to educate to inform uh and to engage as well so that will never not be a bad thing i'll just be interested as to whether we the public will be able to uh see this at some point i mm-hmm. certainly hope we, we can do uh, so that was our headlines now let's move on to media consumption all of the media that we've been consuming including movies tv shows video games music podcasts which aren't ours Anything that we've used since the last episode, two past the time. John, what you been checking out?
1: So, um there's a podcast I've talked about many times, The Secret History of Hollywood. Uh they've done many different series. Um and a lot of times uh, the series go away after a while for free, and you either get them through the Patreon or you can buy them as like ebooks on uh on Kindle. Um and a while back he re-released the Alfred Hitchcock series that I had not heard, and I've been, I've had it saved on my phone for a hot minute I finally decided it was time to listen to them and i um I still have about an hour left of the last episode um and as per usual they're they're so well researched you learn so much information the downside is i I'm a big Alfred Hitchcock movie fan yeah uh, I, I i didn't know a whole lot about him as a person Not and great. there's some there's some pretty troubling stuff about how he treated a lot of the actresses uh mm-hmm And the obsessive nature in which he had them and, and the fact that vertigo is ultimately how he treats a lot of them. And that's troubling because vertigo is troubling on its own. When, When you find out that like, this is kind of Hitchcock's whole thing is trying to make women be this woman, um, by like grooming them and, uh, pressuring them, um, it's it's not as bad as it could have been and i think that's important it's not like he's he's not at least in this what i know from this podcast he's not accused of like rape or anything mm-hmm. horrendous but still real bad like still awful it's but, more like uh,
0: mental and verbal abuse as far as i'm yes. aware which is, uh, and,
1: of course like you say troubling yes um but at the same time there are there's a lot of also redeeming qualities that you hear about him. And that's the the trouble with Hitchcock. And I think the the point that we often forget is like people are complex individuals and we have good and bad qualities. You're not inherently evil or inherently good. A lot of times if you knew everything about a person, you would be surprised that there's some dark things in probably all of our closets, but, but it's still like, it's still always a little like, Oh no, mm-hmm. Why? especially when you're making the movies like you're making and then you're like, Oh wait, you're, but you are kind of like the Norman Bates character. You are kind of like, uh, you know, Sam, Sam in vertigo, James Stewart's character. I, I feel like it's Sam. Um, so, but it's been a really great podcast. I'm almost done with it. I'm on, uh, he's, uh, they're talking about frenzy right now, which I, that's the thing. A lot of times when I'm listening to these podcasts, uh, I've not seen many of the movies. Like when I did the Val Luton series, I had not seen any of the Val Luton productions. Um, until after I listened to the episodes. Here, it's the total opposite. I've seen a lot of the Hitchcock movies. I've not by any means seen all of them, but I've seen a lot of them. Um, And I've seen some of them several times and still had never really dove into Hitchcock as a person. So it's been quite eye-opening and enjoyable. Are, are they quite long, those episodes as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, each, like, the, last, the last episode that I have an hour left, I think it was a total of nine hours. Um, so... <laughs> it's basically an audiobook. you are listening to like a biography essentially and uh, but they're very well done the production quality's almost got like a radio broadcast type vibe to it where like he does some voices and like there's music and stuff it's not just a like guy it's not like us with just talking back and forth he is creating a, a story um and there's interview clips of hitchcock and stuff built into this one as well that that varies uh not every person has audio recorded interviews to give a lot of the interview stuff we're hearing is the trofo stuff but um but yeah really great podcast uh i recommend he's doing other series right now i think the queens of cinema which are uh kind of like cherry picking like a lot of actresses so it's not just on one actress it's kind of like this collective thing um i have not started listening to those yet though that's on the the horizon in the future Um, I've, as always though, blank check is what I got to throw a shout out to. Um, I did, uh, they just dropped their episode of the killing, which is Stanley Kubrick's first proper film. Um, and, uh, Patton Oswalt is the guest on that episode. Um, pretty solid episode. They do, uh, deviate quite a bit from the killing and they're talking about a bunch of other stuff because Patton's a film nerd, um, and they also dropped their Patreon episode, which was their live episode of them doing uh, commentary on Sully, the uh, Clint Eastwood film with Tom Hanks playing Sully Sullenberger. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, good episode, other than they had a lot of technical difficulties on that. Um, Movie wise, I've been catching a bunch of screeners. So some of these uh, listeners you can now see maybe in theaters if they happen to be playing around you, and others might be on VOD. Um, and some are coming out in the very, very near future. So I saw NUO. Um, yep. which tuna had convinced me to watch because it is, uh, he's, I think got it as his number one animated film for the year. Um, and I think I'm right there with him. Uh, it is a rock opera. Uh, it's nice. Japanese anime, but rock opera. And I was not even expecting that. I didn't know what I was getting into. And it really won me over. Like the, all of the music performance sequences are fantastic. There's a lot of references to like eighties and seventies, um, music, even though the movie itself is set in like feudal samurai Japan. So that's like one of the, the kind of um, anachronistic elements that are really, really cool. Uh, and some revisionist history going on. Love that movie. The, the animation style is really cool. Highly recommend in Oh, it's spelled I N U hyphen O H. Okay. Um, caught Easter Sunday, the joy, uh, Koi, I think joke, Joe Koi, sorry. Um, like, vehicle it's basically like hey i do stand-up let's make a movie about me doing stand-up um not very good not very funny they literally cram stand-up sequences into things like there's a moment they're at church for easter sunday and the preacher calls him out for being like not a good person and then he does like a stand-up routine for the church it's pretty ridiculous most of the time there's a few laughable moments uh it's not great i do not know for the life of me why they released the movie that is set on easter sunday about a family gathering for easter dinner in august probably a good sign that something's off there right like why isn't that being released at easter time makes zero sense to me um
0: yeah i'll let you take the fall for that film i have no interest in watching it yeah uh
1: tuna also saw it hated it um (laughs) and my my wife didn't hate it i also i don't i didn't hate it i i just i was like bored at a, at a lot of times there's a few performances i thought were pretty solid though okay um i got to see bodies 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 which Ooh. is now playing in a lot of theaters um i was almost not thrilled with by the movie and then the ending cemented it as very very good it's it's wow. very entertaining engaging um it does have a who done it type vibe um and that's all i'll say but bodies 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 positive uh, spin me round. Um, I caught. I forget um, the name of the director, but he did uh, Little Hours and um, Life After Beth and uh, oh, Horse Girl um, with Allison Brie. Um, oh, I think crap. he did all those movies. I hope I'm not mixing movies. I, I feel like those are all him. Um, Jeff Dana. But- uh, yes, um, I caught his new film also has Allison Brie and Aubrey Plaza, two people he's worked with a few other times. Molly Shannon's in it. Um, Zach Woods, who is a big highlight for me. And I'm going to forget the the actor's name that Sean loves because it's, it's a name that I just cannot remember to save my life. But he's also in The Art of Self-Defense with Jesse Eisenberg. Um, he's a really good actor, very much a character actor. He kind of lose him to the roles that he's in, but he's always great. And it's a very quirky, fun movie. Highly recommend Spin Me Around. Okay. Um, caught the new John Boyega film. Uh, Michael K. Williams' last film, Breaking. Yeah. Um, that should be getting a theatrical release soon. Uh, I don't know yeah, the exact week, date. I um, I can't say too much about it. I think I'm still under embargo-ish. Um, but uh, I say check it out. Um, and then uh, the highlight. What I was determined. I was so focused. I was telling my wife, no matter what happens. I am going to see E.T. in the IMAX 40th anniversary. How Um, was it? Well, it was great because I do love E.T. Uh... I do think there's some problems in that movie. Um, Some (laughs) things do not make sense to me still. I still don't understand why he's dying suddenly. I've never understood it. I'm just like, why is he just suddenly dying? Like, what's going on? Because they also, like, they drop it really hard because the brother's just like, hey, he's not looking so good. And I'm like, he looked fine last time we saw him. And then you see it. Yeah. And then, like, suddenly he's just like, not okay. And I'm like, "Uh, I've never understood this. But it's the movie's undeniable. I still cry every time um when they say goodbye like it hits me so hard i do love the majesty of spielberg uh i have noticed with john williams score too in that movie that there's a lot of star wars in the score <laughs> like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of yeah. moments where like that's the star wars score right there you just did the same thing um damn is but, it good but it's great uh and the imax th- the other thing too is I, I could not find any confirmation if there were added scenes but i'm watching this movie like i don't remember this I don't remember that and i've i've i taught this film like four years ago so i've seen this recently and i'm just like did they add that i don't remember or it might be that i had uh because the version that i taught last was i think the 30th anniversary where he replaced the guns of the police officers with flashlights and then later was like really regretful about that so i don't know if that version also had other changes to it um that maybe that's what I was thinking is that I, I've seen this other version more recently and this is you know, the guns are back and uh thank goodness. Um <laughs> yeah. but uh it was great. The, my favorite part about seeing it in IMAX was there were at least two other families with kids seeing it for the first time. And so that as like I didn't have that. Like my my wife and I had both seen it. Uh, my daughter saw it when she was little. This is a movie that I was just always it's been like a part of my my existence. Yes. Uh so witnessing other people get to see it for the first time and on that gigantic imax screen it was pretty cool like i'm not gonna lie i was like i was more like paying attention to them like certain moments like oh they they reacted the way i would have thought um i it was but uh jaws is gonna be on imax yes it is September second and i'm doing that again like just like i went out of my way to make sure i was gonna see this um i'm gonna go out of my way and make sure i see jaws on imax i've seen jaws I can't even tell you how many times at this point. And a lot of those views are in the last like eight years, 10 years. I've been obsessed with Jaws as I had written those movies off as dumb shark movies. Cause in my head as a kid, I remember it Jaws three the most. Yes. And those sequels are bad shark movies. Um, but Jaws is a masterpiece. Jones and I've only in the last, yeah, in the last 10 years really uh, reclaimed my love of that film. And ha- it has become a favorite film of mine. And I've seen it in the theater multiple times now. I even saw it once with Richard Dreyfus doing a Q&A. Nice. Um So I, But I'm not missing it on the IMAX screen for sure. And if I can have my way, I'm going to go to the the biggest IMAX screen in the state of Florida, which is about 40 minutes away. Um, I wasn't able to do that for E.T. Uh, I had to stay a little more local, but I'm hoping for Jaws I can really go out of my way and see it on the, the best IMAX screen. Um, but I, no complaints about the IMAX screen. I saw ET on. I thought it was great. The theater was really good. We bought a giant bucket of popcorn, um, and I got an icy. Um,
0: yes, yes.
1: We had a we had an all around good day. We went to a uh, toy convention on Saturday morning, like a like you know it's like a com- like a comic book convention, but focused on like collectible toys and stuff. Yes, um, uh, and we found a bunch of stuff. Um, we bought some things we probably didn't need to buy. Uh, mostly <laughs> my wife got a few stuffed animals. She got, she, my wife loves Snoopy and she's been on this, like anytime we can find Snoopy stuff. And we found this guy selling, um, stuffed animals and she found two, uh, she found Spike, which is Snoopy's brother. And then two Spuds <laughs> McKenzie, uh, you know, the, the old, oh, I think it was Budweiser. Um, she bought those. They were like five bucks each and, uh, we're walking away and the guy runs up to us he's like hey you can't leave him and he had found another snoopy and uh he just gave it to to us like he was just like no no you can't leave him behind he'll be sad like just super kind right like such a lovely gesture my wife almost cried because she again loved snoopy was sad that she had missed that snoopy and then the fact that he didn't try to like upcharge or sell and we would have gladly paid but he was insistent like no no you, you definitely you, he could see that my wife these meant something to her they weren't just like you know buying stuff for collectibles this is something that has sentimental value uh it was super sweet that was what we started our day then we went to lunch and then we went to the movie so it was just it was a really really great saturday afternoon um like you know revisiting a movie that both of us grew up with loving and uh it did not change even at, uh, the important thing for me too is worthy of note i just celebrated my 40th anniversary if you will my 40th birthday and et is celebrating too so it it felt like we were celebrating together
0: it was meant to be this is the content i am here for even if we don't agree on the film this week this is the content i'm here for (laughs) to that vendor over there in florida you're a good man for giving up that snoopy toy there is still good in the world in some people so uh, Mm -hmm. that's lovely to hear and i also imagine your wife's uh, ponchant for snoopy toys probably makes christmas and birthdays a little bit easier you've got that one thing you can always rely on if uh, all else fails get the snoopy stuff in um another usual uh, wonderful mix of films and podcasts and and the like and you can bet your last buck and cent that i am going to be seeing jaws in imax too it's coming et is over here in imax i just haven't been able to see it and jaws is also getting the imax release as well so i will be there to see that i've seen it in cinema but i want to see it on the grandest uh, scene screen yeah. of all um, can't wait mine has been i haven't watched as much this week because as i've, I've been away a week so i haven't had a, t- a chance to or wi-fi for the most part as john will attest to with the games he's been sending and i have um sadly sadly my god it's getting late sadly watched on as the games have come and i couldn't load them on my browser because where we were was not in a signal a rich area let me just put it like that but um i got back and i have watched i've watched well i've watched two films but almost a few more uh, i i watched blade runner 2049 i'm doing an episode on that in the next week or so uh and it's always a pleasure to watch blade runner 2049 uh day shift i check caught that out the net caught that one sorry the netflix film starring jamie fox ah, and yeah. snoop dogg as vampire hunters which i ri- i wrote oh. was utter crap before i've seen it
1: john i didn't hate it <laughs> I did this, i'm I, hearing good things i didn't realize it was he was a vampire hunter i'm actually yeah, kind that's, of into that's that that's
0: not a spoiler either that's that's in the synopsis um i because i thought oh man is this is going to be you know snoop Dogg, nothing <gasps> against nothing against snoop do double g but i thought is he you know is he going to be leading this film i'm not going to be but you know the the way they use snoop is spawn and he has one excellent line which if you don't laugh when you when you
1: when you hear it there's something wrong with you inside um well and dave franco's in it which i haven't seen him in a hot minute and i'm a she, big Fr- dave franco fan
0: he he is in it. he's got a fairly prominent role as well uh in this film i didn't i didn't dislike it there's some really good action in this film i'll say that it opens up with a great action scene and the action throughout yeah does it get does it go big and slightly repetitive at times yes but it's really well done actually uh, it's very dialogue and exposition heavy at times because they're trying mm. to build out this world, and they, they that mainly falls on Dave Franco. But you know what? I didn't dislike this film. I went in thinking it was going to be disposable and a well, a, a Netflix film basically. And whilst I probably throw it in at a six out of ten, above average. I you know I enjoyed it. I wasn't bored during it. There of course when I say leaps of logic, I don't mean hey, there's vampires. But I mean during it, there are moments where you think. Mm. and it does suffer from a few issues character wise but I, I i had fun with day shift more so than i ever thought i would do so you know i, I it's an hour and 50 minutes i'd recommend checking out guys if you want a a fun action comedy of which the, the comedy for the most part is pretty good I'll, I'll give them that um i i almost saw orphan first kill and by almost, oh. I mean, I only got the link for it today, even though it comes out ah. in a few days' time. Um, the person had been on annual leave, I found out. Uh, so I have that to watch. I may watch it tonight, or I might watch it at some point in the next day or so. I look forward to trading notes for you on that one. And yep. three of the films you've mentioned, Bodies, 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 I've got uh, advanced tickets for that in one week's time, I think. And it is a film, I'm quite look- looking forward to seeing that, just from the marketing that i've seen for it um spin me Round" and breaking i have in my inbox and i haven't got around to it as soon as i as soon as you said spin me Round," it rang a bell and i had to quickly log in i thought like, oh yeah i i know that one it's an ifc film I, i've got that one waiting and breaking as well uh, obviously john boy in it michael k williams final role as soon as you said that i thought i i, I, I breaking is a very kind of generic title or may you know i haven't seen the film yet so maybe
1: yeah it's work. it's not the best title to be honest but it, no. it, i actually think it's quite a good movie and boyega and michael k williams are outstanding it's not no no disrespect to the other uh cast members but those two definitely were my highlights uh boyega boy he's just bringing it
0: yeah no i'm glad i'm very glad to see boyega stepping out of the the the, the, the franchise mold of which he became accustomed to in star wars and showing that you know, he is a very good actor. Everything I've seen him in he's been really good in from obviously Attack of the Block back way back when Imperial Dreams up until more, even things like Naked Singularity, where the film itself may not be great, but he's very good in it. Um, but yeah, breaking, it came into my inbox and I almost deleted it because it just sounded uh-huh. you no know, respect to people who have boring yeah. sounding film titles, but it wasn't until I just saw I think I saw like Michael Kay. I was like, Oh no, let me check this out. So I have those to watch. So this time next week I'll be able to give you my Opinions certainly on spin me around breaking and orphan first kill but other than that jb it's been a very quiet week on the pop culture front for me which is why i'm so glad you always uh, you always come at me with a massive selection of good stuff
1: yeah uh no i love hearing um i also saw orphan oh i i have seen orphan first kill yes you did love it my reviews out uh yep
0: Yep, I saw Big Tuna's uh, review out. Again, I haven't read it, just out of respect for my own opinion. Uh, I haven't read it until I've seen the film, but I, I see Big Tuna isn't a fan of said film, or the first one. Though so interesting that I did note that he'd said, I think in re- response to somebody else that, I think similarly to yourself, he saw Orphan recently whilst knowing what the twist in that film is. So when you kind of know the twist, it might take you out the first time I saw Orphan, I had no idea. I saw it almost when it came out, if not when it came out, I had no idea what the twist was. I thought this is pretty good because I'm yeah. going in blind. So, um, Hey, maybe Orphan first kill is not great. The idea doesn't <laughs> sound great. And the trailer wasn't particularly good. So I'm not expecting much, but Hey, it's only what an hour and a half hour, and 40 minutes of my time. So let's, uh, this is what we're here for on the BAMP. We watch films. So maybe you don't have to now, uh, <laughs> In doing that, it's a bloody awesome thing to have to do, but we also have to maintain our levels of bloody awesome to keep bringing this wonderful content to you guys each and every week. So, John, in the last seven days, how have you been staying bloody awesome?
1: Well, um, I ran this weekend with uh, my usual running friend and editor of Berk Reviews, David, but uh, another friend uh, is has been getting into shape, and he's uh, currently in the police academy and asked about running with us. Um, and he came uh, with these new run shoes that he got, and tells me about this store. I'm not going to give a shout out because they're not a sponsor, but they he tells me about the store. You go in, and they scan your feet, like with you stand on this thing, and they like scan your feet, and, they, and then they have you walk on this digital thing. and They give you this breakdown of like your stride, and they recommend shoes based on your foot oh, and like arch okay. support, right? So I'm like intrigued. He showed like he shows us the email. And he's like showing us the scan and his feet, and. I'm like, okay, now this store happens to be at the same place that has the IMAX theater for the ET screening. So I tell my wife, not only do I want to go to the IMAX, but I kind of want to check out this store. And I go in with no intention of buying shoes because the scan's free. You can get the diagnostic done and they send you the email. You don't have to buy the shoes. Um, I'm so impressed with the salesperson. I'm so impressed with uh, the technology and her knowledge of it. Like, It doesn't sound like she's just like, oh yeah, here's this picture. She's invested she's friendly um that she goes and gets the three different shoes i try them on the she puts a insole in because apparently i have like no arch on my left foot have a normal arch on my right foot and because of it my left foot is almost a full size bigger than my right foot um which was wild like i had no idea and i don't know what caused it but it uh, definitely explains some of my pain when i run so i have yet to run in my new shoes but i i ended up buying shoes that more money than I normally would spend on shoes, but I was so kind of blown away by the tech. And um, he went to this store because uh, not only um, the other, some of the other officers had gone to the store and done this and bought the shoes and uh, instantly saw like two minutes tick off of their times. Well, I'm not going for time necessarily, I am going for frequency and the ability to run without pain and I think, uh, I'm hoping that that's what I'm going to experience. Again, I, have bought the shoes I've yet to actually try, but just standing in them in the store felt like I was walking on clouds. Like it, they were such nice shoes. Um, and I, I see why people go to the store and why you're willing to spend a little more money because you're getting this, like, I felt like in a, in a movie where there's like a personal shopper, like that's the attention that I was getting. Like she tied my shoes, um she put the shoes on my feet and like tied my shoes in a way that I've never had done before and told me, uh, there's a gym across the street from the shoe store. And there are several like older ladies who go to that gym before they go to the gym, they come to the shoe store with their shoes untied so that this place will tie their shoes. Like, and they do, <laughs> um, because they just, it's, I've never had my shoes tied the way, like the, the, what she like loosened the laces, slipped the shoe on and then tighten them back up. And it was just I'm like, I need to know how to do what you're doing, but it was, um, a fitness investment was how I'm saying, bloody awesome. A really cool experience. Uh, if listener, if you're really interested, I will off the air, uh, respond to social media posts and tell you what store, if you want to get this done, I highly recommend if you do anything with, uh, running, um, these, this store is really geared towards runners. Like that is what they're, they only sell running shoes. Like that's it. They only seem to have like three brands too. Like they're not, they're not a chain shoe store that's trying to sell all the different shoes this is like are you serious about running do you want to have a good experience while doing it we're gonna make sure you're taken care of and uh, you know again I spent a little more money than I normally would but I'm pretty confident that I've made a good investment
0: it'll be worth it at the end of the day if you're not crippling your own feet um yep. I used to work in a shoe store not as technologically advanced as that one by the sounds of it but so I know that you know some people can have generally most people won't know it, but they'll have one foot slightly bigger than, mm-hmm. like, l- longer than you other, slightly but a, you know a whole size up is um not yeah. something i've heard that often
1: but apparently because of i have no arch in my left foot which i've never known um but i've I've never like been to a uh podiatrist or anything so i've never had a real i guess reason to know um but i do have like some ankle pain in my left foot and uh apparently that's part of the reason because my my leg is trying to compensate for the lack of an arch so there you go then um well, mine,
0: I, I haven't had my feet looked at this week, sadly enough, but my feet have taken a pounding because I mean, as, as John mentioned up top and, uh, and uh, as we mentioned, yeah. I had a week off last week. We went to uh, Cornwall down south in the United Kingdom, uh, home of the best beaches in the United Kingdom and some of the best beaches in Europe. Uh, it's an absolutely stunning part of the country it's a part of the country which is still trying to fight for independence from england because it wants to be seen as its own state which is excellent um very also quite funny but yes a really really nice part of the world uh anyone in england will or britain sorry will attest to that went down with my entire family in-laws uh one in-law as well um kids as well and it was a lot of fun very busy uh very loud at times very stressful at times as well when you've got um, lots of kids running around and and uh, long days in the sun, but it was great fun, you know, going getting to hang out with everybody, getting to see the cool sights down there. Uh, we got we went down to a cove called Kynance Cove on the Thursday, the penultimate day, which basically it looked a bit like Acto from Star Wars, um, the Last Jedi, which looked it looked like that um and to get down to the kind of secluded beach or the cove you had to pretty much scale the side of a, the coast it was right on the coast of the united Kingdom, so you're as far down as you can go without being at land's end uh so we had to scale down there and my daughter did that she's only six but bless her she made it she made that descent and she made it all the way back up again she just wanted to go and play in the sand and in the sea um so she wouldn't have stopped anything but that was uh that was a lot of fun and getting to see land's end and having a few um Having a few tins in the evening with the family whilst the kids were asleep playing some fun games, uh, it was really really nice just to get away jB for a week and um, not have to worry about anything. you know what I mean not have to worry about doing anything or going to work, which is uh, always something you'd have to have to worry about. Uh, but it did mean that I didn't wasn't able to play the games at John sends or even really keep up with any kind of pop culture news headlines or films because the you're in where we were down there. There's there is no signal basically, you know. You're, there's mm. Wi-Fi, but there's no signal, and there's only Wi-Fi in certain areas of where we were, not where we were staying. So uh, it did kind of feel like you're cut off from civilization for five days. But that's not a bad thing, you know. You, I, I and others couldn't sit there glued to the phone, and you know, rather than talking, you know, most people would sit there on social media, we couldn't do that. So that was quite nice, and you kind of realise that you know, it's quite nice to just sit down and play a game or you know, hang out and talk. Now, the old, like, like in the old days. Uh, but I did enjoy having my phone back the closer we got to where I am now. I've been able to uh, check some more films out again. But no, it's nice to get away, JB. Nice to recharge the batteries. And um, the BAMP is in full swing uh, for this week and going ahead again. However, I am glad to hear that your feet are okay. Yep. They are done. They are ready. And John will be back in a week or two's time having run. 50 60 kilometers so you can tell us how well his his sneakers slash trainers i don't know the difference are um holding out but that is that then for this week's episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast our differing opinions on nope have been made we're going to be back again on monday uh, if you're listening on the day of release with our spoiler review of nope so please do go and check that out and we'll be back again next week with a review of the new idris elba film Beast. So do come back and check that out. Uh if you want to tell us what you thought about Nope or any film or just anything, you can find us online on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast B A M P underscore podcast. John on Instagram we are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. Uh, we're on Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We're there. If you want to find me online, you can do at what I watch tonight. co uk and just search what I watch tonight across all the socials and letterbox. And you can find John where?
1: I'm um, at and at on all the social media platforms.
0: And running around Florida, if you are in yeah. that area as well. Uh, if you like what you're hearing here, and we hope that you are, please do consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps the show grow. It gets more listeners in. It gets us up the algorithm as well. And, you know, it's always nice to get on the pat get a pat on the back every now and then. So if you've got a few minutes, we would absolutely I uh, appreciate that. No end. But with that, guys, as always, stay bloody
1: awesome and keep watching movies.
0: bloody. bloody. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.